Well, this must have seemed like a clever idea at the time. A French scientist has had to apologize after he posted a photo of a slice of chorizo, Spanish sausage, and claimed it was an image of a distant star taken by the James Webb Telescope. The image itself is remarkably believable, but Etienne Klein, who is a celebrated physicist and director at France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission, um, praised the level of detail it provided. A picture of Proxima Centauri, he wrote uh, on Twitter and shared it with his 91,000 followers a, a while back. Well, now he's had to apologize and said that he was trying to make uh, trying to make a point. The CNN's Jeannie Moose, who always does great stuff, this is her take on it. We've all been looking at them in awe, gushing over them. Look at this thing. Isn't it beautiful? Even if we're not quite sure we understand what these gorgeous web telescope images are actually showing, especially this one, the planet Nibiru, five billion light years away, or, um, no, a salami slice. It feels great. It smells amazing. Actually, something smells fishy. Turns out a famous French physicist named Etienne Klein posted the image saying it was taken by the Webb Telescope, a photo of Proxima Centauri, the closest star to the sun. Most of his Twitter followers got the joke that it was actually chorizo, pork sausage. Of course, the internet responded by grinding out more sausage images passing them off as the view from another angle or another planet orbiting the original sausage star. But some didn't appreciate mixing astronomy and gastronomy. And just give it a good massage. Engage with your food. The esteemed physicist engaged with his critics, apologizing and calling the photo a form of amusement, but urging people to be cautious about accepting eloquent images at face value. No object belonging to Spanish charcuterie exists anywhere but on Earth, Klein tweeted. Still, if the moon is supposedly made of cheese... It's like no cheese I've ever tasted. Why can't a star be made of sausage? The joke and the meat have this much in common. Sweet, a little spicy. Genimos, CNN, New York. There you go. There's the story for you. Of course, Klein uh, said, quote, his intention was to urge caution regarding images that seem to speak for themselves. It is remarkably believable if you go have a look at it. Um, Joining me with more on this now, because it is a fascinating subject, is Tim Caulfield. He's Canada Research Chair in Health and Law, Health Law and Policy, a professor in the Faculty of Law and the School of Public Health at the University of Alberta. Tim Caulfield, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on, Ben. So this is quite the quite the story because uh, I remember seeing the original tweet uh, that turned out to be a piece of sausage. Uh, there must be a lesson in this. I just can't quite figure out what exactly the lesson is, other than watch out what you tweet. Well, I, I love this story. I think there's a lot going on here with this simple simple little prank. Uh, first of all, I, I think that the on the good side of the equation, we ha- we should recognize that this is a scientist that is out there that he's engaging. The public, he's got a lot of followers, uh, and I love that. I love that. So th- th- it's good that we're having this kind of public engagement. Uh, and I also, I'm also a fan, actually, of using humor and satire and kind of performance art uh, to make a point. And I'm going to come back to that. 
on the bad side, on the bad side, and I think this is why he got so much heat, and I can't believe how much heat he got. Uh, in this age of misinformation, you've got to be really carefully about about what you're representing, and and I think it also highlights how satire and irony can be tough on a platform like Twitter. And I think that that's what caught him out, right? I think, you know, he thought he was being funny and he and he actually, he, he says he was trying to make a point about, you know, being careful about believing stuff that you see, you know, double check. Uh, and so when he posted this image of a sausage as a, as a son, I believe it was, right? Yes. Uh, um, he, he, he's sort of inviting us, look, I was, you know, I fooled you. You should try not to get be fooled in the future, but it didn't really work. It backfired. So, you know, I actually think it's kind of a complex story. Uh, and I think there's a, a number of sides to it. Yeah. One of the things that I found a, uh, he has about 92,000 Twitter followers. So that's the, you know, that's a pretty big audience. Uh, his picture of the chorizo was sort of, he had it out against a black background and just a slice. And he referred to it as Proxima Centauri, but it was very well done. Like it was very clearly something that could easily I would have been mistaken. fooled. <laughs> Absolutely. So in some senses, he was almost a victim of it being too good. It's yeah. I, I, I think so, you know, uh, so there have been these kinds of pranks before and sometimes done very pointedly. There's, for example, a prank going on right now called Birds Aren't Real. I don't know if you follow that one. So this is an individual that is out there, you know, putting forward an absurd conspiracy theory, but he sticks, you know, straight faced that the idea that birds aren't real, that all birds have been replaced by robots in order to be, you know, uh, so the government can uh, monitor our behavior. That's one example. There's another really uh, famous example. I actually use this one in class all the time uh, called celebrity meat. Uh, and it's this idea that that an individual is growing sausages. Again, the sausage theme <laughs> from uh, from celebrity meat. Uh, and, and what they do is you're supposed to get a sample of a, a celebrity cell and then you use stem cell technology to grow the meat. So it's all kind of scientifically plausible. Uh, and, but again, it's performance art in order to invite us to consider our relationship to ourselves, etc. So I, I think that these kinds of performance art, you know, satire, irony can really be effective forms of science communication and, and ask us to think. But I we need to balance it against the fact that so much out there now isn't real, that there's so much misinformation. I think we have to be careful about how we use our platform. Yeah, I was thinking, well, when it because I remember seeing the initial the initial one, and then I'm obviously seeing that all blow up in his in his face, uh, Etienne Klein, who, by the way, is director of France's Alternative Energies and Atomic Energy Commission. Like this is a, you know, this is a guy who has a prominent position. Uh, was there what might have been the reaction to this pre-COVID? Would it have been different? Oh, I, I think that's a great point, and I, and I think it would have been completely different. I think you know we've seen this sort of erosion in trust uh, for the scientific community, and and I think we've also seen um, the cynicism kind of seep into how we how we read science now. So uh, I think it would have been very different. I think people would have laughed about it. It's maybe something you would see on an April as an April Fool's joke or something like that. So I do think it's different, but I think that's also, there's an important lesson there too, right? That these are different times and we have to take science communication very seriously, you know, but I, I, I post things that are sat, you know, ironic too, and, uh, and try to have fun with it. So uh, seeing the reaction here, 
I'm gonna think. I'm gonna think twice. <laughs> I'm gonna well, be more careful. The, the problem with with social media in general is that even if ninety percent of people or ninety five percent of your audience thinks it's funny or gets it, or 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 once you reveal that it had been a trick, they're like, "Oh, isn't that cute?" or "Isn't that good?" There's always going to be that small portion who doesn't, and that's when you're going to get into trouble. So you're you're broadcasting to a pretty wide audience, and that audience is going to be, um, you know, it's going to be different. And they're going to see things different ways. I think that's what Etienne Klein is finding out. Uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I've done things like, there's a lot, been a lot of very interesting scientific pranks. Now the one is, you know, uh, publishing papers or trying to publish papers that aren't real, right? And I've actually done that. You know, I I, I submitted a paper on homeopathy and, it, and the title was homeopathy is pseudoscience BS. And then the abstract was homeopathy is pseudoscience BS. And the methods was homeopathy is pseudoscience BS. And the conclusion was, and it got, you know, it was accepted for publication in one of these bogus journals. And then, uh, the the publishers finally figured it out they actually read the the text but is that okay is that appropriate uh it's an open question right you know of course i was trying to make a point about these kinds of poor quality journals that are used to to highlight uh ba bad conclusions uh but i i think we need to be careful and we have to be very strategic how we use these kinds of creative tools to to make points because you made a really interesting point off off the bat, which is it is great to see someone like Itzian Klein engaging, as you do with, I think, 80,000 some odd Twitter followers, but engaging with a broad audience um, and sharing their thoughts and not just on, you know, on sort of papers they've written, but on lots of stuff, including the James Webb Telescope, obviously. Um, but it, it, is a, it is great for them to communicate. But as you've pointed out, you do have to be very, very aware of the pitfalls. I really hope that this scandal doesn't discourage him or or other scientists from 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 getting involved. And the interesting thing is, I bet the scientific community, like people like me and people in the research, are more aware of this scandal than the general public. Well, we're going to make them a little more aware tonight, right? But <laughs> but I bet you know we're the ones hearing this, right? <laughs> so I hope it doesn't scare people away from engaging because you're absolutely right. It's it's so so valuable to engage. It, it already is tough, especially in the biomedical space where there's so much hate mail, there's harassment, there's death threats, there's lawsuits. You know, there's a cost you pay when you're, you know, you want to engage the public. So I hope that this kind of scandal doesn't doesn't scare someone away. I, I always joke that, you know, uh, um, you know, you aim for you're never going to be perfect. Social media is fraught. You know, you know that. Right. And so you're never going to be perfect uh, and you're going to make mistakes and you apologize when you do. And you know what? He did apologize. You know, he said this was my intention. I feel bad if people didn't take it that uh, as, as a joke. Uh, I'll do better going forward. And, and that's what you do and you move on. But it does highlight that uh, one of the things that's unfortunate is that one of the ways to get people's attention is to be clever and be funny, as you were pointing out earlier. Uh, and and if you really have to walk right down the middle, which which a lot of people do, um, it can be less engaging, right? You're sort of sacrificing something for something else. And one wonders if that trade-off is worth it. Clearly, in this case, probably. But but overall, the idea of being clever, the idea of, of engaging your audience is what social media is really all about, right? A hundred percent agree with that. And, and there's research to back it up. You know, research tells us that I always, I always say creativity wins. Right. And, and so you want to, you want to use humor, you want to use stories and narratives, you want to use art, you want to use all of those tools in order to get across your message. And of course, those who have been spreading misinformation have been using those tools for a long time. And I think 
that the scientific community, the research community, the policy community needs to do more of that. And I think the good news is we are seeing more of that, right? Like this, like this scientist, but you're seeing more and more people on TikTok and on Instagram doing a great job of engaging their audiences. So uh, yeah, don't be discouraged by the sun sausage. Should we call it that? <laughs> the sun sausage, yes. Chorizo gate. Chorizo gate, we were going to, to coin a boring, a boring phrase for every scandal that's ever been. Uh, but uh, what do you think the lesson is here then? I mean, for, for, and hopefully you're right. Hopefully it doesn't dissuade other scientists who may not have the same familiarity with, uh, with Twitter that, that this gentleman does, uh, but hopefully it doesn't, put a freeze on people hoping to be creative when it comes to explaining or at least offering um, opinions and stories about science, because it is sorely lacking. I mean, you know, it's always been tough for science communication to break through. And we've seen a lot of it, obviously, during the past few years. But it'd be, it'd be nice to be able to be in a place where you think someone like this gentleman can make a mistake and still continue to tweet. I, I think the idea is pick your satire carefully, <laughs> you know, because I, I think part of it was the timing, like they were talking about the, you know, the web telescope and it, it was so, such a good news story and it was real science. And I think that was part of it, you know, that he was leveraging this. Finally, we have this purity of science. <laughs> you know, finally, we have this science we can celebrate uh, without any polarization. And, and I think maybe that was part of it. So, you know, pick your satire carefully, but, but also, please, please continue to engage the public. Yeah, as a last question, Tim, because you're so involved in this, what has been, do you think, the benefit of being able to use tools like social media to talk about things like public health, to talk about things like science? Well, we often hear the negative so much, don't we, Ben? I mean, it's like we hear that so much, the bad stuff associated, associated with social media, the, the, the spreading of the misinformation. But it also has been an incredibly effective tool to get uh, to engage the public, um, especially especially if it's done well. There are all these wonderful platforms out there. I'll shout out to mine, hashtag science up first. This is an initiative I helped to start. I'm just an advisor now. It's just a wonderful interdisciplinary team. You, know, you, can, you can do real good. And you can reach broad audiences, and we shouldn't forget that. Tim Caulfield, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on.